Welcome to the Enneagram Mom. I am your host, Kendra Green, and you're listening to episode number 17. This is the place where motherhood and the Enneagram collide. Today's show is called You, Me, and We. With the holiday season upon us and maybe you're preparing to spend some extra time with family and friends, I want to provide you with the tools to better understand some of those relationships. Today I'm going to be walking you through the Enneagram Type 6, which is the Loyal Guardian. My hope for this short and sweet episode is that it would be fun, informative, and encouraging. Whether you're a 6 or maybe you know a 6, get ready, you may need to take some notes. It's going to be good. wise and true words of Mr. Rogers, we can't be expected to leave the unhappy and angry parts of ourselves at the door before coming in. We all need to feel that we can bring the whole of ourselves to the people who care about us. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me today. I missed you guys. I took a break last week for Thanksgiving. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, I always have a little bit of an issue when it comes to spending, you know, holiday time with my kids because I am what you would call a frustrated idealist. If you've listened for longer than a few episodes, you know I am a type four and fours along with ones and sevens are what's called frustrated idealists. So we have an idea in our minds of what things could be or what they should be like and if our experience doesn't measure up to those expectations, we can get frustrated. And that's me in a nutshell, because I get frustrated if my kids, you know, make things complicated when they could be fun. I think about that uh, Michael Scott, Scott quote from The Office that's like, why is it when I try to make things fun, you make it not that way? And that is me, because I try so hard to make things fun and give my kids good experiences. And they just want to, like, complain and, you know, cause problems. But anyways, we had a good time anyways. I have to focus on staying present and enjoying the present and not focus on how things could be or should be um, in order to keep myself from getting frustrated. But nonetheless, we had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I got to spend some time with family, and I hope you did too. Hopefully, it was conflict-free. And so that begins my conversation for today. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt like it's hard for you to go back home? That maybe you've done so much work on yourself over the years, but all everyone seems to remember is who you were growing up? All those mistakes we make as we're trying to navigate our young lives tend to be in the forefront of our family's mind sometimes, or maybe our childhood friends. What about your relationship with your own children or your own spouse? Do you feel like they bring out the worst in you at times? What if I could help you understand that relationship better, no matter what that relationship is? It's good for you to find something that you have in common with each type, but then know where your challenge areas are. I get asked a lot if there are certain types that could be best together, and my answer is always the same. Any relationship can be successful if both are doing their best to be their best. It doesn't matter what type you are. There's, or what combination there, there is, there's always going to be a challenge. There just is. Um, and sometimes the challenges are harder than others. But you know, when, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or a family relationship, the goal is to have harmony and unity 
with little conflict and the ability to have hard conversations without getting offended or being offensive. I heard a sermon one time about living unoffended, and it just really helped me change my perspective on other people's responses to me. It's very easy to allow other people's dysfunction to bump into us, and when we've done so much work on ourselves, and then someone just says something offhand or, you know, don't put anything, any thought into the things they say. Um, like, I'm a huge words person, and I put a whole lot of weight on words. I put a lot of weight on my own words. So sometimes I expect other people to do the same and they don't. And so um, I tend to listen through that perspective of putting a lot of weight on words. And then I can get really frustrated with people when they offend me. However, they don't know they're offending me. So if we can work on living unoffended and realizing that everyone has different perspectives And just because that's our perspective, that doesn't mean that's how they intended it. Um, That will go a long, long way in your relationships. And sometimes when I get offended, I have to realize that's on me. If it's not something that I am willing or able to work through with that other person, it's on me to resolve that. And that happens to me a lot where I get offended over something and nobody ever even knows about it. And so I have to learn to process that on my own, write it out, think through it, pray about it, give it to God, and release it. That's what I have to do whenever I get offended. So our goal in all of this, in all of these episodes in this series is to help you have better relationships and living unoffended and have more harmony, more unity, because relationships make the world go round. Our lives are consumed by relationships. And we are going to deal with so much anxiety and so much anger and frustration in our lives if we can't figure out how to have good relationships. And I'm not saying that you need to have lots of relationships. I'm just saying that you need to have a few really good, solid relationships. And the ones that matter, the relationships that you can't get away from, that sounds really negative, (laughs) but you know what I mean. (laughs) The people that God has placed in your life. You need to work through the challenges with, or you need to work through challenges with them. So I want to help you do that. Today, we're going to get to talking about the type six, the loyal guardian. And so here in just a moment, I want to give you some, um, I'm going to give you an overview about the type six, and I'm going to give you some tips on how to deal with a six and even show you how the six um, is in relationship with others. Let's go. Okay, let's start with a quick overview. Sixes are involved in more group activities than any other number on the Enneagram. Of all the nine personality types, they're most concerned about the common good. They are the glue that holds together all of the organizations that we belong to. They don't leave over minor conflicts, and they don't move from group to group. Sixes are loyal, they're consistently striving to do their part, and they want to be part of something that is bigger than they are. They are constantly... Striving for clarity. They want everyone to know how we are going to do this, what we are going to do, and why. They tend to stand out in the group as the one that questions everything. Um, So they can appear like they have a lack of trust because they question so much, but really they're just trying to bring clarity and understanding. Sixes can be slow to forgive because they tend to hold on to past slights and hurts. Now, This is where subtypes are very important because 
there's two distinct subtypes for the type 6 that define the 6. So there is what's called a phobic 6. So it's the, it's the type that's most fearful, um, always questioning what if. Well, they both question what if, but this one is very um, obviously concerned about everything. Whereas the counterphobic six might have the same fears, but they're going to present a solid front in order to not appear fearful. Uh, I want to read to you what the perspective is of the two different types so you can understand. So a phobic six um, says this, I have struggled with fear and anxiety my whole life, even since I was a little kid. I remember lying in bed worried about my peewee soccer game the next morning. Peewee soccer! I knew other kids didn't feel the same way. They just rolled out of bed and ran around the field. The funny thing is that I always played well. In fact, I was able to play so well over the years that I earned an athletic scholarship, so all that worry was just a bunch of wasted energy. As time went by, I got better at managing my fears, but they're always with me. Now let's look at a counterphobic six as um, she describes her fears. She says, I like to speak in public and teach, and I know of other sixes who are the same way. Though we have fear, it's not usually of social situations, but of what ifs. The scenarios our minds develop are, are about what could go wrong in novel situations. For example, I know I have to teach or speak, so I prepare thoroughly and don't worry much about it. I know I can do it. If I don't have time to prepare and I have to perform on the spot, I do it, but I have some anxiety about it. So both are anxious, but phobic sixes give in to their anxiety and they get lost in imagining all the things and all the ways that the worst things could happen, while counterphobic sixes expect the worst and expend the same energy making a plan for it. So if you are between those two types, sometimes a counterphobic six can look like an eight because they sometimes go so hard towards their fears that they look more like an eight. I hope that makes sense. Something that might help you release some expectation from a six is because they often overthink, they look like they're procrastinating. So you might look at a six and think they're a huge procrastinator and it might look like a lack of commitment, but it's because they overthink. They're overthinking so much. And what can happen is that sixes can get into um, paralysis of analysis. They get paralyzed by their overthinking. And so while we need sixes to help us plan things out and prepare, um, what gets them into trouble is their overthinking. Sixes sometimes ask a lot of questions and others can feel threatened when the questions are too many, too personal, or even too soon. Okay, so let's get into talking about sixes and others. First, let's go to the six and the one. When sixes are in a relationship with a one, their anxiety is often increased because they never feel good enough. This needs to be acknowledged and discussed, otherwise the one will feel like they are alone in trying to get things done. The sixes and the twos. The sixes' goal will almost always be about safety, while the twos' goal will always be relational, so they'll need to agree to be honest about their differences. Additionally, sixes should be careful about doubting the twos' motivation for what they do um, what they do with and for others, because sometimes twos can look like they're very flattering and sixes don't always trust that flattery. Meanwhile, the two needs to avoid focusing on the mistrust of sixes. 
it can be a little messy, but it can be done. Okay, sixes and threes. Threes love success and they trust it, but sixes don't. Sixes will have to teach threes about the anxiety that often accompanies their success. Okay, sixes and fours. Sixes employ worst-case scenario planning, whereas fours are comfortable with longing. Fours can get caught up in if-only kind of thinking, and sixes ask what-if kind of questions. So you might need to watch for that, manage it, understand each other's perspectives, and you'll be great. Sixes and fives. Fives don't need to have all the answers, so six will have to work. Sixes will have to work with them on fielding all their questions. Both are in the head triad, and they both have a lot in common. Both can work toward adding feeling and doing to their thinking. So, more feeling, more thinking for fives and sixes in relationship. Okay, two sixes. When one is afraid, the other almost always responds with optimism, sort of like two kids on a seesaw. It's pretty great. So, two sixes can work great together. Sixes and sevens. Sevens go into their heads and imagine the future better than it will be or can be. Sixes go into their heads and imagine it worse. <laughs> Both can learn to use this dynamic to, um, to their advantage in their relationships. So, learn to balance each other out. Sixes and eights are significantly different in that eights move too fast for sixes at times, and sixes are too slow for eights. A value they both share, though, is loyalty. However, sixes need to be careful since sometimes they are loyal to a fault. And then lastly, sixes and nines. They are fairly comfortable together because they can see, they can each see themselves in the other. Each will need to take responsibility for setting their own goals. Waiting for a suggestion or direction from the other is not the best course of action, but supporting one another will be fulfilling. So good. So now let's get into specifics for the six. Remember that since we can't change how we see, we need to adjust what we do with how we see. For sixes, there's no doubt that other numbers on the Enneagram don't struggle like you do with fear. Here are some other things for you to keep in mind. So if you are a six, you can learn to trust yourself, but only if you practice. Some things can be learned only by experience. So you can't just gather information and think that's enough. You have to actually get into action, get into motion, and then you will learn. You can learn to trust your inner ways of knowing, and you can listen to your body. Your head and your heart will lie to you, but your body will not. Your hips don't lie. Okay, but you cannot expect others to be as loyal and faithful as you are to the groups you both belong to. The way they handle their commitments and responsibilities is not within your purview. You cannot be noticed without taking some risk. Some say that sixes just want to blend in, but that's not always true. I think you want to be noticed, right? But you aren't always willing to take the necessary risk. So risk it. You also cannot always feel safe, but you can recognize when fear is becoming self-indulgent. So are you making all of your decisions based on fear? And do you, are you beginning to miss out on life because of your fear? You need to recognize that in yourself. And if that's the case, work towards changing that. 
one thing you can work on doing is just trusting because trust is a decision all by itself. And when you learn to trust yourself, that's when you can take baby steps towards taking more risks and living life more fully. So accept that some things will work out and if they don't, you will have everything you need to address whatever situation arises. You'll also need to accept that fear has played a role in your life, but you can also begin to diminish that through awareness and by working on productive thinking. I love that, productive thinking. That's so important for sixes because you can think, but not all of your thoughts are productive, right? So for those of you who are in relationship with sixes, the main thing to keep in mind in a relationship with a six is that trust is a huge thing for them. They tend to create boundaries to keep out the untrustworthy, so they ask a lot of questions so they can get more information. And when they get more of the right kind of information, it's very reassuring, which leads to more trust. So here are some other things to consider. Sixes have a deep appreciation for people who are both genuine and authentic, but they don't trust appearances. So it might take them a little bit to trust you. They watch and see what you're doing to make sure that you are who you say you are. They're not just going to take your word for it. Also consider that worst case scenario planning is comforting to sixes. So take them seriously when they talk to you about what could go wrong and actually listen to them. Telling them that they don't need to worry and that everything's going to be fine will feel patronizing, disrespectful, and dismissive, but focus on the best possible outcome instead of the worst. Also remember um, that it doesn't help to just say things like, you should trust yourself more. It does help if you take the time to point out to a six some previous times when they did trust their own ideas and their own ability to carry them through without checking with anyone else. Because they are group thinkers. Sixes are group thinkers. They're going to want to check with the group. They're going to want to ask a group of people what they think. Because they have a group of people in their mind um, questioning. It's like they have multiples of themselves in their head questioning every decision. Okay, sixes like friends who are emotionally mature, honest, and not too needy. Sixes often keep their anxiety to themselves. They usually try to manage it alone so they aren't making it a big deal for anyone else. Sixes require a lot of reassurance, observable and verbal, about your commitment to them. They want to know that you are there to stay. But not only by your words, remember you have to show them. Show them that you are there. Show them um, your commitment with what you do. Encourage sixes to act when they are overthinking. They tend to confuse thinking about something with doing something about it. So getting mobile. If, if you know a type six, um, you know, they're probably going to want to, would rather do things in a group setting. So if you encourage them to go work out, do it with them. If, if they are needing to make a big decision and it requires them actually going to do something, go with them. Support them in that. Something else you can do is point out all the good things that they bring to a relationship because just as much as they question other people, they are also questioning themselves. And then lastly, be kind and thoughtful when answering all of their questions. My very own sister, my older sister, is a type 6 and um, she is such a great friend to me um, as well as a sister and we can all benefit 
from slowing down and viewing the world through the eyes of a six. Um, because remember, they are looking out for the common good and they sometimes will see things that the rest of us miss. So take a moment to get into the perspective and the view of the type six. Give them some grace. Give them some extra love. Um, support them and help them to know that you are committed to them no matter what because they're going to be committed to you. Uh, they are such a gift. And so I hope this was helpful to you if you are a six or if you are in relationship with one. Before we end our time here together today, I would like to read a scripture and a prayer of confession for the type six. The scripture is from Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And here's the prayer. Lord, I confess that I am attached to my need to have certainty and security in my life. I believe the lie that I must do my duty, act responsibly, and obey orders to ensure that I will be safe. I confess that I rely on others to protect me, tell me how to live, and give me assurance that I am okay. I confess that I worry about what might go wrong and spend my energies preparing for the worst that could happen. This keeps me from trusting that you are with me and that you will provide all I need when I need it. I disown all the ways that my adapted self puts up a guard around my heart and mind so that nothing will harm me. I claim that my gifts of dependability, perseverance, and loyalty are reflections of your faithfulness and courage. I surrender to your constant presence. Only you are trustworthy and can meet my deepest longings to be safe and certain. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me on the Enya Mom today. It's always an honor to share this space with you. Now, I want to ask you to please go rate and review this podcast so it goes out into the world so other people can be helped by it as well. I would love it if you would go connect with me on Instagram. There you can find more Enneagram goodies. But it's always a pleasure. It was such a pleasure today. I will see you next time on the Enya Mom.